everything, do everything, do everything, gonna be all right this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Hannah made it. Yes. Our girl got to enjoy herself with her fiance. Was at the Cajun Dome last night for the Brooks and Dunn show. She even got there for the opening act. She stayed the whole time. As anyone knows, when you go to an event on a weeknight, whether it's a movie premiere, a sporting event, or a concert, or going to the fair. It's a late night, which means you're not going to have a ton of rest when you come into work the next morning, but yet our girl has her boots on ready to go today. Shout out to the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, for being here bright and early ready to rock and roll, ready to steer this ship that is RP3 and company. Thank you for being here. You're very welcome. My boots kind of like sandals, but you know what? (laughs) I am here. I'm alive. Traffic was terrible, so we walked from our apartment there and walked back after. My heels kind of hurt now. But you don't live that far away from the Cajun Dome. No, I live behind Canes, so I mean, a little hop and a skip over. (laughs) But it was still like, it was hot getting there. Appreciate you being here, but you need, if you need someone to lean on this morning, intern extraordinaire Daryl is here early. We did that on purpose. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Just in case we yes. needed somebody. So make sure to put Daryl to work this morning. Oh, I will. Because I am not as lucky as our world famous CD who gets to sleep in until 8 o'clock as he was a concert as well, as well as Matt Miguez. So... I'm the unlucky one being up at 5.30, <laughs> but I'm here. I'm doing work, and I am so excited to be here. We're excited to have you. Thank we got you. a great show lined up for you today. Yeah, we got both the producer and intern extraordinaires. There'll be a duo today behind the ones and twos. But we also have a great lineup for you. James Yasko will join us half an hour from right now. He usually helps us kick off 7 o'clock this week. We're a little bit early with our fellow from the Lima Time Time podcast as we break down all things Astros as the Strohs themselves look to get back on track after suffering two of three losses to the Seattle Mariners earlier this week inside Minute Maid Ballpark. They will welcome in the Miami Marlins this weekend starting tonight. Of course, you can listen to all three games live right here on the game. James Yasko will join us at 630. 7 o'clock hour is open. You want to get those phone calls in? That will be the hour to do so. Hotline is open. We'd love to hear from you. 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. Because 8 o'clock, we got multiple guests. Going to end strong. Got a great charity event to put the spotlight on this weekend. Luke Day 
will be taking place. Next Home Cutting Edge Realty is putting it on. It's a fundraiser for those with disabilities and dogs. Two lovely ladies from Next Home Cutting Edge Realty will be joining us inside the studios this morning, telling us all about the great event. Once again, that's going to be tomorrow in Lafayette, Luke Day. Christy Thoe and Keisha LeBlanc will be joining us live in the studio to talk about that. Then at 8.15, Nick Fondo will join us. Cash and tickets. NBA Finals. Little USFL. Little LIV Golf. We're going to get to it all with Nick. And then after that, joining us once again in the studio, the Louisiana Sports Hall of Famer. Long time man associated with the Raging Cajuns. He was the former sports information director, then turned reporter. Dan McDonald will join us to talk about the legacy and the greatness that was the late, great Tony Robichaux, who's going to be inducted into the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame in a few weeks. Dan will be joining us live in the studio for that. So, 8 o'clock hour, jam-packed, great guest. Once again, you want to get those phone calls in, first two hours of today's show is when you need to do it. Game hotline, 337-706-0111. Once again, that's 337-706-0111. But we're going to lead off today's show talking about the New Orleans Saints Hall of Fame. Now, for, I don't know, better part of 10 years probably now, they've been putting a few players in year after year. It's what they do. And a lot of these players... Obviously, will not will never be enshrined in Canton, Ohio for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. A lot of them probably won't even be enshrined in the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame. But they get their moment to be appreciated by the franchise they played for. And the Saints announced their 2022 Hall of Fame class on Thursday with a press conference. Fred McAfee. Who played 10 seasons in two stints with the Saints from 1991 to 93 and then 2000 to 2006. He was a six-round draft pick out of Mississippi College. That's back then when they were a D3 school. One of the best special team performers in team history. He was enshrined, or will be enshrined rather. They had the press conference yesterday. He also rushed for more than 1,200 yards and eight touchdowns. But mainly handled kickoffs right that's what we know him for first time with the New Orleans Saints he's going to be in Kevin Mangum is going to be joining them he joined the franchise in 1981 as an athletic trainer they've earned several training awards athletic trainer awards during his time with the Saints he received some individual awards as well so Two guys, a special team star and a trainer. But for our purposes, Devery Henderson is now going into the Saints Hall of Fame. Former Opelousas High football and track star. And for those who covered him back in the day, some would argue that he was a better track and field athlete than he was a football player. Those Opelousas teams weren't very good back then. But that didn't prevent him from 
getting an opportunity to go play at LSU. And of course, at LSU, he was part of one of the most famous plays in LSU history, the Bluegrass Miracle, where Jim Hawthorne mistakenly, originally, in the original call, called him Jack Hunt. Kentucky thought they had won the game. Desperation throw. Devery catches it, runs in for the game-winning touchdown as time has expired. The Bluegrass Miracle, as it was known as. And, of course, Jim Hawthorne famously, Jack Hunt, I can't believe it. Jack Hunt, Jack Hunt. Well, Jack Hunt wore the same numbers, Devery. (laughs) But it wasn't Jack Hunt. (laughs) Now, and since then, if you find the audio clip, they've replaced it. They had actually Jim Hawthorne re-record it, and they added Devery's name. But the original one's my favorite, where he mistakenly just gets so excited, mistakenly, you know, glances down, hey, that's Jack Hunt. No, no, that's that's Devery Henderson. Of course, Devery was also part of the great Saints Super Bowl team, right? Helps them win a Super Bowl. So Devery got to be a success at every level. Track and field, football started off loses high, LSU, and then moves on to the NFL. And look, Devery was never the number one guy for the Saints offense. There was always other guys. But he was a great vertical threat. He developed a very good rapport with Drew Brees and had no problems being the number two guy or even sometimes the number three guy. Right, He played with Joe Horn. He played with Marcus Colston. Devery played a long time. They even tried to replace Devery, remember, with Robert Meacham. And they kept Devery, and Robert Meacham went on to what to go play for the Chargers, signed that big contract, then came back and was cut after like a year or two, I forget. And Devery was, you know, still hanging out. Devery was the 50th overall selection in the 2006 NFL Draft, played 124 games while starting in 76 for the Saints, Caught 205 passes for more than 4,300 yards, averaging nearly 18 yards a catch. When they needed a big chunk play back in the day, they found Devery. Devery, go run down the sideline. And he would catch him. 20 touchdowns. He also, they used him on end arounds, 18 carries for 119 yards. He also was a reliable pass catcher, When it came to the postseason, 31 catches for 464 yards. That's an average of 15 per catch with four touchdowns and eight postseason appearances with seven starts and, of course, was part of the Super Bowl championship team. So the Saints Hall of Fame gets a little local Acadiana flavor, if you will. And Devery, you know, we, we talk about it all the time. We focus so much on championships, right? We focus on being the MVP or being the all-pro, being the best at your position. Well, Devery is a great example of a great career. He was never considered the best wide receiver on his team, right? He just wasn't. Yet, Devery carved out a great career. You know how many guys would want Devery Henderson's career? Think about that for a second. This is a guy who was a great high school star. 
goes on to LSU where he, he plays football and as part of the track and field team. Actually, his scholarship was on a track and football scholarship. He's part of one of the most famous plays in LSU folklore. He helped the team win the national championship under Nick Saban in 2003. So so he gets to go to LSU, local kid, part of one of the most famous plays in LSU football history, wins a national championship. Then goes from there. Also, don't forget, he was a member of LSU's 2001 National Championship indoor track and field team. So he won a national title on track, too. Goes to the NFL. Once again, never the number one guy. Yet, kept going. Went through the regime change from Jim Hazlitt to Sean Payton. Sean Payton found value in Devery and said, this is a guy that needs to be part of what we do. Played in the league for, what, 10 years? Wins the Super Bowl. I. That's a great career. We get focused too much on MVPs, all-star appearances, and everything like that. How many of us would love to have Devery Henderson's career? Two-time national champion in college. Super Bowl champion. Got to play professionally in a game that he loved for a decade. You know the average career for professional football players is less than three years? The average overall is three years. A little under three years. Devery, a kid from Opelousas, made it and played a decade in the NFL. Great honor for Devery Henderson. Local guy, done good, makes good, and now is going to be inducted into the New Orleans Saints Hall of Fame. Congratulations to Devery on that tremendous honor. We got to take a timeout. When we return here on RP3 and Company, oh, what are we going to tackle? How are we going to get your Friday started? Ah, Well, how about some Major League Baseball discussion? Is it time for me to bring my Atlanta Braves into the discussion on the airwaves? Possibly. Woo-hoo-hoo. Also, the Angels, they finally won a game. We'll talk about it. Major League Baseball talk next right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. P3 grew up dreaming of one day playing right field for the Atlanta Braves. Just like his hero, Dale Murphy. I wanted to grow up and be Dale Murphy. Little Raymond, though, wasn't quite the caliber of athlete of his childhood hero as his lone highlights as a ball player were being beamed. Twice. In the head. That actually explains a lot. Back to more RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
Oh, the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com can help you with your date night blues. Pay attention, fellas. That's because once you become a member of our rewards club, you will have the opportunity to win excellent prizes like a $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House. That's right. $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House. We want to help you take your lady out for some delicious Gulf seafood, but you can only win that $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House by joining the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. So go sign up today. It's free to do so. It's easy to do so. Just go to the website, click on the Clubhouse Rewards tab, and boom, it's that simple. It'll take you two minutes to sign up. You earn points once you become a member, and then you can start entering to win great stuff like that $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House. So go sign up today. It's easy. It's free. And RP3 told you to do so. So there you go. That's the most important part of that. Devery Henderson going into the Saints Hall of Fame with Fred McCaffrey. That was announced yesterday with a press conference. Devery, of course, local kid, makes it and does a great job. Devery still involved with the local community. He holds his camps. You can see him routinely at Opelousas High football games on the sidelines helping out. Devery Henderson who was a track and football star at Opelousas High, did the same thing at LSU where he won national championships, plural, in football and in indoor track, and then, of course, won a Super Bowl title with the New Orleans Saints. Gets into the Saints Hall of Fame. But let's transition to a little Major League Baseball. Astros had the night off last night. They got to rest up after the Seattle Mariners came into Minute Maid Ballpark and said, this is our house, taking two of three. The Fighting Five Nameses, as I like to refer to them now as. They're gearing up for the Miami Marlins. Three-game set. Obviously, Miami's not a good team. This should be an easy series for Houston. But Seattle has struggled against everyone else, except for Houston. So Astros should be on, should be ready to go, right? There should be no issues here should be ready to go and prepared to not get embarrassed at home again by a sub-500 ball club. In their division, though, it was a celebration. Because finally, oh, finally, the losing streak has come to an end for the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim County. Otani helps carry the Angels past Boston. 5-2 victory, and that snaps the Angels' record, their own franchise record, 14-game losing streak. Two of those games was after they fired Joe Madden, by the way. Fire Joe Madden. You're out of here. Year three, you're the problem. You're the reason why we're not winning, not the fact that we've constructed a roster that is not great. We have two great players and then an overplayed former great player in Randone and then a bunch of dudes. Like there's times where I watch the Angels play and I go, maybe I could still play Major League Baseball. That's how poorly constructed their roster is. Where you go, hey, overweight, bald, sports talk host, maybe there's a spot for me. They've done a terrible job. 
They're going to blame it on Joe Madden. Look, was Joe a little past his prime? Did Joe not do a great job as a skipper? I think you could argue that. I think that'd be fair argument. Is all of this Joe's fault? Nope. Mike Trout in the worst slump of his career. Otani has been average this year or has come down to earth a little bit from last year's MVP season. But the the Angels front office has been poorly constructing rosters for the better part of a decade. They can blame it on Joe Madden all they want, but really it falls on them. Otani gets back to 500, his fourth win of the year, improves to 4 and 4. He was good last night. 7 innings, only gave up one earned run on four hits, struck out six, threw 100 pitches. And then obviously he is also a factor at the plate as he got himself a home run as he served as the DH going two for four and two ribbies to help the Angels snap that 14-game losing streak, do so against the Red Sox. Can the Angels turn things around? They're below 500. It's June the 10th. If they can get Trout to get out of his slump, but I, I just don't see it. I, just, I don't see a roster that looks like a contending roster. That's the look. It, 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 sometimes it comes down to the talent that you have put together on the field. And when you honestly look at the Angels, there's Otani, there's Trout, and there's really nothing else. Randone's passed his prime. They gave him all that money, and he's been, let's be honest, average and banged up. He's their third best player. They don't have any other pitching. And you can't pitch Otani every single day because you have to have him in the lineup. See how much longer that lasts, letting him do both. Eventually, you're going to have to make a decision there. While the Angels snapped their 14-game losing streak, the Atlanta Braves took down the Pittsburgh Pirates 3-1. to They are now 31-27 and on the year. They've won eight straight. Eight straight for the Bravos, who started off the year, let's be honest, terrible. I was told personally by Kevin Foote, my good friend and colleague here at the game. Enjoy it. It's a hammock season. Your team's going to be terrible. A hammock season means, in Kevin Footlish, you sit in your hammock with your trophy with not a care in the world. Enjoy your championship season. Now, would Kevin do that? Did Kevin do that in 2018 after the Astros won? He sure didn't. So Kevin doesn't take his own advice. But we still love Kevin. Because he just doesn't, right? Max Fry did good. Six innings, eight hits, only gave up the one run. He's pitching back into form. Now five and two on the season. Bullpen did its job. Jansen came in to close the door. Look, beating the Pittsburgh Pirates is nothing to write home about. The Pirates aren't very good. Again, but for the Braves, they've now won eight straight. They're above 500. Do I think they can catch the Mets, who are just at a ridiculous pace right now? 
Probably not, but I think the Braves could contend for maybe a wild card. But we thought the Mets were going to run away with the division last year, too, at the All-Star break, and that didn't happen. The Mets do what they typically do and implode on themselves. So Braves, eight straight. The Angels snap their losing skid, and the Astros will get back to action tonight as they welcome in the old Miami Marlins to Minute Maid Ballpark. You can listen to it right here live on the game. We'll talk more about the Astros and them trying to get back on track with our buddy James Yasko, who's going to join us live next from the Lima Time Time podcast. That's coming up after this timeout. You're listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Major League Baseball is back, and it's time for a tradition like none other. Old school baseball guys arguing with the analytical crowd on why RBI should still be relevant. Show us that million dollar arm, because I got a oh, I got a good idea about that five cent head of yours. No, but seriously, what the heck is war? Yeah. What? Who comes up with this stuff? You're killing me, Smalls. Now, back to more baseball talk here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. We usually talk to our first guest on Friday at 7 o'clock. He's the co-host of the Lima Time Time podcast. He's also a molder of young minds in the Texas school system, and also a contributor to the Houston Chronicle. My man's done it all. He used to work at the Baseball Hall of Fame, by the way. But now he's doing, I don't know what he's doing. We'll find out. (laughs) I just know he texted me and goes, hey, can I come on at 6 o'clock? I was like, bud, we start the show at 6 o'clock. Oh, how about 6.30? Not a problem. It's our friend from the Lima Time Time podcast of the Houston Chronicle and a man who's now moonlighting in some other sort of capacity, our good friend James Yasko. James, good morning to you, bud. Uh, are you okay? Are you – is everything okay with you right now? No, no, it's it's all bad. Everything is terrible. Uh, I, I'm hallucinating. Uh, this has been one of the absolute hands-down worst weeks of my life, but it's, it's good to be – it's good to be on here. <laughs> All right, bud. Now, does anything so Seattle Mariners? Can we just start there? Why do the Mariners play the Astros so well? They can't beat anybody else, but they can beat you guys. Why? So, okay, there's there's two there's two reasons for the way that this series went the way that it did. Uh, one is that is that the Mariners look at the like every time the Mariners play the Astros, that's their World Series, and. I have a, a buddy that's a Mariners fan that, that he texted me, and this was before the season even started. He's like, what do you think of the Mariners? And I said, I don't. Uh, and, <laughs> like, I, they, they, they just don't. They, they're not on my radar. I don't that the Julio Rodriguez kid. That, he's cool. I like him. Uh, I, don't respect, I don't respect that franchise. Uh, gorgeous place to watch a baseball game. I did see a – I have been to whatever they call – Whatever they call whatever they call now, what they used to call Safeco, like it's, it was one of the most enjoyable Major League Baseball experiences I've ever had. But I, I don't care about the Seattle Mariners. That's not the case for the Mariners. Like the Mariners absolutely care about the Astros. Um, the second thing is that 
is the the series went this way because the Astros have had like what like one day off in the last thirty five days. Like yesterday was their first day, second day off in, in like a month. So they're just tired. Like whatever, it, it happens. Congratulations to the Mariners on taking this this midweek series crown. Put a banner up. You see, you're so salty about the Mariners. It is funny though because that's the one team that's been kind of a thorn in your side this season. You look at the thing, you know, they go head-to-head. During the series, they had both had the same amount of wins. And even after the series is over, the Astros have scored the same amount of runs that the Seattle Mariners have against each other, which is a crazy yep. thing that you, you wouldn't think that. But all joking aside, Jose Arquiti, uh, another so-so poor outing by him that's like five or six in a row now the yep. velocity on the fastball James it was under 90 which that stood out to me as a big issue what's wrong with Jose is it something physically or is it up in uh, up in the old cranium when you when I mean Urquidy was never throwing like 98 99 but if, if 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 I remember correctly and I don't remember too many things correctly right now um but, but I mean, he would sit sort of, you know, 93, 94, you know, hit 95 every now and then. When you're talking about a velocity under 90, like, that's, that's, there's something's wrong. Uh, and I, I actually kind of thought it would happen yesterday with the off day. Um, but I sort of expected the, the Astros to maybe put him on the IL and bring up Hunter Brown uh, from Sugarland, who's absolutely killing it. He's just kind of waiting for an opportunity. I guess what the Astros are the fact that they didn't put him on the IL, that they haven't really, as far as I know, come out and said anything, you know, like, hey, this is what's up. Um, you know, they, they still do have like a nine-game lead, and it's it's not even the middle of June. And so you, you've got a little bit of wiggle room to see if, if Arkady can figure it out. Um, but, but yeah, a little bit of time off, and maybe, maybe uh, I don't, I mean, he, doesn't, he doesn't deserve to get demoted, Um you know, to sent down to Triple A, but but I, you know, I sort of kind of expected an IL stint given sort of recent results and just how hard he's getting hit. That's the thing that stands out. His ERA is not great, but he is getting pounded all over the park. So I I, I don't know. I I, I kind of thought that they'd address that yesterday and they didn't. So you know, we'll see what happens this next time out. When when you watch him pitch lately, for me. It's almost like watching a guy that's tipping his pitches because they are they're getting great contact on and nearly at every at bat. So it's not as oh you know he just left one bad pitch hanging in the zone, James. It's right. Everyone from top to bottom is hitting him, and we've seen this now through about five to six outings, and a couple of those he was able to get bailed out of because of the lineup, but. Right. We're talking now, you know, we're a good portion away into the season, and we have yet to see Jose perform like he did in his very first outing of the season against the Angels. Yeah, no, and and I mean, the the tipping your pitches thing that that's it's 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 entirely possible. Um, but but when you're when you're fastball, when you're you you're sort of used to being in the you know that ninety three to ninety five range, and you're struggling to get, you know, you're. Humping it up to you know eighty eight, you know that, that that would indicate that there's something going on, and and I, I don't know what it is. Um, you know, maybe it's a combination of the two, but but he needs to get that figured out soon because because you know there 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 are, there are guys in Sugarland that are looking for an opportunity. 
How long can they keep the young man in Sugarland in Sugarland because he is just absolutely demolishing everyone he faces? Well, I mean, you know, the I, if I rem, I think James Click came out and said, you know, that that you know he's he's ready. for what he needs is an opportunity, and you know, it seems like the opportunity has sort of presented itself. You know, if if for a couple of starts while while you get Urquidy some rest or or just kind of take him out for. You know, give him a breather and let him sort of reset, kind of the way that they did with Altuve uh, at the beginning of the season. But I, I, I don't I ultimately, I don't know what it's going to take. Some it's going to take an injury or or something like that. Um, you know, to to get to to get Brown up. Yeah, because I thought, okay, Odorizzi getting hurt that may have opened the door. That didn't. Urquidy is struggling. And like I said, I expected them to, to send them down just for some rest, like they did with Altuve, like you mentioned, James, because that's what they did. Jose wasn't injured. They just said, hey, go take a couple days off, get a breather, go yeah. you know, you know, know, get your confidence back against some minor league pitching, then come back up. And he's been tearing it up ever since. I thought yep. they would have done that, but you know, Odorizzi gets injured. You still don't bring him up. Urquidy struggles. You're not bringing him up. I, you know, and like you said, Click said, well, he's ready. He just needs an opportunity. I, I, I guess another guy legitimately being injured is going to have to be that opportunity, I guess, right? I, I guess, and I don't know, you know, do you let, if, if it is an injury concern and you're worried about an elbow or a shoulder or whatever, you know, do you do you just let Urquidy go until until something, you know, a bomb goes off in his arm and then and then you bring him up or or is it, I, I, I don't know. I don't. I don't really understand. And and the only thing I can I can point to is the division lead that you've got some wiggle room uh, to to just sort of see is okay. Is this a is this for real? Is this you know an injury concern? Is this just a a massive downturn in performance? You know what what is it? I I, I do not understand. We're talking with James Yasko, a man who does not understand, but that's okay. We love having him on. He's from the Lima Time Time podcast. He joins us here on RP3 and Company. What stood out to you so far to this point, June 10th, about this lineup? And are you surprised that Jordan Alvarez has become the best hitter? Not surprised at all. Uh, and we can we can get into his contract, you know, here here in a minute if you want. Um, what sort of stood out to me is is it still doesn't feel like they've kind of put it all together. You know, you've got you've got Bregman who is who is in just a terrible slump, and 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 if we're if we're being perfectly honest, you know we all love Alex Bregman. I know everyone that's listening it loves Alex Alex Bregman for his his service to to the Louisiana State University. Um, he's had, he's had a rough few years. I mean, he's he's and and I I know what sort of the the before you know there, there was something that happened you know before the 2020 season. Uh, that sort of changed a lot of things for a lot of Astros players, and and you know guys like Altuve have have proven that you know that that whatever that story, some story in the Athletic, I don't know, maybe you've heard about it. Uh, we don't have to bring it up again. Um, but, but you know, the, the, some guys, you know, it, it they they're they're doing fine, like Altuve, and then there's there's a couple of other guys, and Bregman's one of them that that hasn't quite been the same. Whether that's injury, whether that's distraction, whether that's um, you know a, a massive mechanical failure, you know, in the swing. But Bregman hasn't had a, a good couple of years um, 
looked like he was sort of maybe, you know, working on, on an adjustment with his wrist, but it, it hasn't really panned out. So I don't know how much longer you could leave Bregman in the, in the three hole. That's, that's what kind of stands out to me that, that the Astros have the lead that they do. They have the record that they do. And it, it just doesn't feel like they've put it all together yet. No, you're right. Because early in the year, Altuve was off right and then mm-hmm. they got him back and you've had great production from Alvarez who's just on an absolute tear a monster season an MVP type of season for him 100 Pe- home runs minimum <laughs> Pena is looking like he's uh, in a race for the rookie of the year he's mm-hmm. he's adjusted to being in the show Yuli is got is gotten better but still not where you would want him to be Right. And Bregman has not played well. And you're right. Since he was the MVP runner up, he's not been the same. Now, he's been injured, and that's part of it, but mm-hmm. he has not been the same player. And you're right. They have not played their best. Arkady has not pitched well. Bregman has not hit well. Yuli Gurriel has not been great. And yet, here they are with a nine game lead on June the 10th. <laughs> and, and I think that speaks, and, and, and let's give credit to the other teams in the AL West for being so god awful. Uh, that the Astros can just sort of go through the motions here and 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 just get everyone right by October and 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 then you roll the dice. So so shout out to the to the Mariners, to the Angels, to the Rangers, uh, and to, who want for oh the A's. Yes, uh, thank thank you thank you. What do you make of the Angels deciding to place their front office um, woes and being able to uh, unable to being able to construct a competitive roster on Joe Madden? That, that says more about the GM than it does in the owner than it does about Joe Madden. I understand uh, that there were some issues with, with Madden. Uh, you know, I read the, the Buster Olney, I guess, that said that there's been some simmering tension, you know, between, between sort of the front office and, and Madden for, for a while now. Um, you know, if, if, if I was Joe Madden, I'd, I, would, I would thank the Angels for getting me out of that situation. Uh, I, I, with, the, with the resources that they have, with the market that they have, um, it is unfathomable to me that they haven't been able to put something together to make a run, uh, you know, in a in a in a postseason. This is what happens when you go chasing television revenue, and you put more of an emphasis on what market you're in when you're really in Anaheim, which is not Los Angeles, by the way. I've been in that no, ballpark, halfway half to Phoenix. It's not the same, <laughs> by the way. Um, yeah, and I just, you know, look, uh, Trout's in a, a career slump. Otani has been average at best. He was good last night to snap the skid. But the Angels, I, I said it before, James, they have two great players. They have no pitching. And they got a bunch of dudes. When I watch the Angels play, there are times where I go, hey, me and James Yasko, we still got something left in the tank. Let's go be a position player for the Angels. Because they put together a poor roster. It's a it's a not a great roster from top to bottom. Yeah, no, Jack Jack Mayfield, you know, who who played, you know, a handful of games for the Astros is getting regular at bats. And and nothing against Jack Mayfield. His his was a cool story. Um, I think he was undrafted and still and still made it to the majors. Um that that's not that's not how you Especially in a in an era where there are more playoff spots available, you know, if you if you just get to October, then then you have job security, and they can't even do that with 21st century Mickey Mantle and 21st century 1917 Babe Ruth. 
it's it's phenomenal. It it really is how how inept they are. All right, but I get you out of here quickly with this one. Uh, Tony Larusa um, decided to intentionally walk a batter that had two strikes on him, and then the next batter up hit a essentially a game winning home run. Uh, he defended yep. his move. I know Tony is a heralded guy. He's in the Hall of Fame, and the White Sox brought him, and he did good good work last year. Even though he ruffled feathers with his team, his players, uh, it sure doesn't seem like it's working out this year. It seems every day that passes, it seems like it's still crazy to me that that AJ Hinch was right there, and and the White Sox went with Larusa instead of Hinch. Um, and it's debatable, you know, what what kind of a job that that Hinch is doing in Detroit. I'm I do not pay attention to the Tigers, you know, at all. Um, but that that's just. The, the decision to, to intentionally walk a guy with two strikes. And I think I saw that how was it he, he walked Trey Turner. Is that right? He intentionally walked Trey Turner, who's hitting like 172 with two strikes. Yes. Um, <laughs> you know, the, the, that's, that's more of a, that's a, a, a decision as questionable as hiring Tony La Russa in the first place. <laughs> James, appreciate your time as always. Brother, go home, get you some rest, my friend. And we'll talk to you next week, bud, okay? Sounds good. James Yasko, our friend from the Lima Time Time podcast, also contributor to the Houston Chronicle, talking Astros, talking Major League Baseball. We got to take a timeout. When we return, we'll wrap up our number one. Unveil the poll question of the day. That's all coming up next right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Download the free The Game mobile app for Android and Apple devices. No matter where you are in the country, you can listen to The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Poll question of the daytime. That's right. We got so excited about what we're talking about, we forgot to let you know about our poll question of the day. What are you the most excited for this weekend? For Hannah Five Names, it's already peaked. She saw Brooks and Dunn last night in concert at the Cajun Dome, so she's going to relax this weekend. Her weekend came early, if you will. But what are you the most excited for this weekend? It's a busy sports weekend. You got the Belmont Stakes. Last leg of the Triple Crown. You got the NCAA Super Regionals. You got the NBA Finals. And you still got the NHL Playoffs. Right now, with 90% of the vote, woo, running away early with it, is NCAA Super Regionals. 10% say NBA Finals, no votes for the Belmont Stakes, no votes for the NHL Playoffs, not yet. John Paul Cajun Daddy says, so no Louisiana teams left in baseball playoffs, but top in your poll. That, my friend, says a lot about Southwest Louisiana sports fans. Have a great day. <laughs> yes, it does. It's big baseball, man. Big baseball. I'm intrigued. I'm going to watch the Supers this weekend, but I'm probably also going to tune into the Belmont Stakes and the NBA Finals, maybe even get in a little hockey. So I'll probably dabble in a multitude of things. Hannah Five Names will not. She's shaking her head. I'm not doing that. I'm trying to recover from the Brooks and Dunn concert last night. Too much boot scooting and boogieing for her. She's fading fast. Intern extraordinaire Daryl may have to take over here sometime during the show. Just saying. No pressure, Daryl. No pressure, bud. Hope you're ready. 
because it looks like Hano's about to pass out. That's going to do it for hour number one. Whew. Good hour. Hour number two, wide open. We're going to hear from Dennis Allen, Saints head coach, but we'll take your phone calls. We'll also unveil the game changer of the week. That's all coming up right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Our number two has arrived here on RP3 and Company. Good morning. It's June the 10th, 7.04, gearing you up for the weekend. Woo! We've had a good show so far today. It's going to get better, though. It's going to get better. Could, at the end of the day, become what we like to call legendary. I'm joined here inside the studios by the intern extraordinaire, Daryl, and the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, who's wearing her Rubik's Cube splash. I don't know what the heck it is. But she's here with bells on. Survived the Brooks and Dunn concert last night at the Cajun Dome. We have reinforcements, though. That's what Daryl is here to prop her up. I'm surprised she hasn't forced you to go on a coffee run or a Coca-Cola run. See? I mean, you are an intern. Just saying, Daryl. I'm just saying. You know, you could sacrifice time going to the store for the betterment of the station. Just saying. We got no guests lined up this hour. It's an open hour, which means it's an open phone line hour. Hotline is open. 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. We let off today's show talking about New Orleans Saints Hall of Fame. Devery Henderson is going to be inducted, the former Opelousas High track and field football star who went to LSU on a track football scholarship. One that uh, was a member of the indoor championship team, national championship team for LSU. Of course, was part of the LSU national championship football team for the 2003 season and was part of one of the most famous plays in LSU football history, the Bluegrass Miracle. Went on to play a decade in the NFL, including winning a Super Bowl championship with the New Orleans Saints. So great honor for the Opelousas native being inducted into the Saints Hall of Fame. We also touched on Major League Baseball. No Astros game last night. They will get back to action tonight at Minute Maid Ballpark as they welcome in the Miami Marlins for a three-game set. You can listen to all those games live right here on the game, by the way. You're home for Houston Astros in southwest Louisiana. But Atlanta Braves have now won eight straight. They're above 500. They're playing some of their best baseball. They look to be healthy. Could they have turned a corner? The Bravos and the Angels turned around and snapped their 14-game losing streak. A franchise record, if you will, losing streak. 
took care of that. We touched on that, and we also touched on the Astros. What's wrong with Jose Arquiti? James Yasko, we heard him, contributor for the Houston Chronicle and co-host of the Lima Time Time podcast, said he was surprised. He thought they would send Jose down just to get some rest and bring up Brown, but they didn't. They got to figure out what's wrong with Jose. The velocity is off on that fastball. And Alex Bregman has been struggling. He did so last year when he battled injuries, and he's doing so again this year. Yet, despite all that, you still got Pena, you still got Alvarez, and you're still the number one team in the AL West, and you lead the division by nearly double-digit margin. Right now, let's head out to the hotline. Welcome on our guy, Doug. Doug, good morning to you, brother. What's on your mind, my friend? Ray, I was calling in to talk a little softball with you. Uh, that was a great, I mean, just a great World Series, but, I mean, we all figured uh, – we knew what was going to happen, you know, that the outcome was going to be Oklahoma. Uh, but I got to say, Ray, Texas, man, they went through the gauntlet. And they knocked down all the Giants, you know. They gut-punched uh, the, the big guys in softball, and they worked their way up to that uh, to the finals. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, that first game, let's face it, I mean, Oklahoma was coming out to make a statement, you know. But it, it was great, Ray. So now I'm going to uh, cram in some baseball this morning to try to catch up with uh, the baseball series. I was surprised Arkansas got knocked out, Ray, so early. I really was. But uh, it was a great softball World Series, and uh, can't wait till next year. Thanks for taking my call, Ray. Not a problem, brother. Enjoy your day, my friend. Thank you. Yeah, Texas became the first team not seeded to finish as national runner-up. That's never happened before. So Texas went on quite the Cinderella run. Look, Oklahoma is the standard. They are the dynasty. They're the most dominant program going and have been for, you know, quite a while. So, nothing to hang their heads on for the Texas Longhorns, for sure. Let's talk a little softball. Because that wasn't the only softball news that came out yesterday. Texas fought hard, weren't nearly as thumped as they were in Game 1. But Oklahoma still pulls off the sweep, wins Game 2 to sweep Texas Longhorns to secure back-to-back national championships. And, you know, they beat Texas 10-5. to They set a record with 17 home runs during the Women's College World Series, breaking its own mark of 15 from last season. It's also a record for total runs scored during the World uh, Women's College World Series with 64. And this wasn't even their best team in recent years. There were moments this year where they looked vulnerable. And they still were this dominant. That's the difference between Oklahoma and everybody else. <clears throat> That's the big difference. Is that even when they are a little down, they still look absolutely and perform as just the best team out there. It's ridiculous how good they are. But that wasn't the only softball news that came out yesterday. 
It was announced yesterday that the Raging Cajuns, Lampson Park, will be the host of the 2023 Sunbelt Conference softball tournament. That's a big deal locally for the economy. Get all the teams to come in for the tournament. It's a great venue. One of the best venues to watch college softball in the country is Lampson Park. Parking, not great, but the ballpark itself is amazing. Yep, par- par- parking's not, not, not good. You have to park at Cajun Field. But it's a big deal for UL to host this yet again, <clears throat> and a big deal for the economy. And if you're the Raging Cajuns, you don't have to travel, right? You can stay right close to home. Now, that can be a good thing or that can be a bad thing. I've seen the Cajuns host the conference tournament and struggle. Because some coaches will sit there and tell you that they prefer to have to go on the road for conference tournaments to not have the distraction of being at home, not having boyfriends and girlfriends being right there, not having the family being right there. There's also a sense of urgency when you're on the road more than it is when you're at home. So it's a great thing for the university and for the local community to have the Sunbelt Conference Tournament right here at Lamson Park. And I'm sure Kevin Foote is going to be happy that he doesn't have to travel for that as being the main Raging Cajun beat reporter for The Advocate. But I don't know how thrilled Jerry Glasgow is. <laughs> I'm just saying. I, a lot of coaches like their teams being pushed and have to be on the road because being on the road allows you to be more focused because you don't have as many distractions and the coaches can control the routine more on the road than they can at home. Because once again, at home, you're taking classes. You got your family, you got your friends, you got your boyfriend, you got your girlfriend. There's a lot going on when you're away from Lampson Park. When you're on the road, the coaches control everything. Hey, we got to go to the hotel room. Hey, we have practice. Hey, you're going to eat now. Hey, you're going to go to bed. So forth and so forth. So, sometimes hosting the conference tournament can be a bit of, uh, can backfire a little bit, if you will. But still, great news for the Raging Cajuns. We didn't get a chance to talk about this earlier in the week as well. We'll go ahead and touch on that now since our buddy Doug brought up the softball by bringing up the Women's College World Series championship game. We don't know the schedule yet for next year, right? Because it's still way too early for all that. But what we do know is that the Raging Cajuns are going to be tested far more next season in softball than they were this year. Now, look, they played some quality non-conference opponents. They played Alabama a few times. Clearly, we're not on the same level. They played LSU a few times. Weren't on the same level. Played Texas, actually got one of those games finally. But the Cajuns' RPI was an issue because the Sunbelt A was down, talent-wise. It only ended up being a one-bid league. Secondly, they didn't play a ton of great non-conference competition. They just didn't. Well... Jerry Glasgow is taking the opportunity to remedy that already for 2023. We didn't even know a schedule yet, but we do know that they're going to be taking part in the Tax Act Clearwater Invitational, which will take place February 16th through the 19th 
at Eddie Seymour Complex in Clearwater, Florida. In addition to the Cajuns, the other teams taking part in this event are Alabama, Arizona, Arkansas, Duke, Florida State, Indiana, Michigan, Mississippi State, Nebraska, Oklahoma State, Texas A&M, UCF, UCLA, USF, and Virginia Tech. That's going to give your RPI a shot in the arm. Now, obviously, they're not going to play all those teams, right? They're not going to do that, but they're going to play three of them. And that's going to help out the old RPI a ton. And I've said this before. This is not a knock on the Cajuns. The Louisiana Classics, look, it's a great event. That kills their RPI. They don't get anything from the tournament they host. The Mardi Gras tournament, the Louisiana Classics. Those those tournaments don't help them. It, It helps them because early in the season they can build up confidence and get wins. And you're hosting events. I, I get that part. But you don't know how good the Sun Belt's going to be next year. You know the Cajuns are going to be good. But you have no idea about the rest of the Sun Belt. So the RPI that you get from playing your conference opponents may not help you. May not help you. So you got to figure out ways in the non-conference slate. Even if you may take L's by facing the likes of Alabama or Arizona or whoever it might be, it's going to help your team later. It's going to help your team's RPI. And maybe the Cajuns can go out there and win 40-plus games, but because they play an immensely difficult non-conference slate, they could host a regional in 2023 instead of being on the road yet again for a regional like they have done in so many years now. It's been a while since they hosted their own regional. They would have hosted a regional the pandemic year when they played the likes of Florida and others and they had a brutal non-conference schedule, but they were winning those games. They were a top five team in the country. They would have hosted a regional that year. This is Jerry's way of saying, you know what? I'm tired of this. Let's get back to where we need to be. Let's go play the toughest competition we can possibly face. Now, they may still do the Louisiana Classics and they may still play the likes of, you know, Oklahoma Panhandle State University or whoever it may be coming to Lampson Park for the tournament, which, you know, is not great. But that's what they need to do. This is a step in the right direction, taking taking part in this tournament. We got to take a timeout. More RP3 and company, though, coming up right here. On the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. You know how some fellas don't care how they look? I mean, a few of you are rocking sweatpants that haven't been washed in days. Ew. Not to worry, my dear unkempt friend. RP3 and company is a judgment-free zone. Hell, sometimes these guys don't even wear pants. I would like to extend to you an invitation to the pants party. Excuse me? The party. The pants with the pants. Party with pants. Now back to the hopefully fully clothed RP3. On the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
Oh, Rescue Fest is Saturday, June 25th at Park International. It's a day of live music featuring the Sarah Russo Band, Jet 7, Layla Laverne, Hunter Corville, and Cam Nelson. There's going to be plenty of food, games, and even a raffle. Rescue Fest is a fundraiser for the Rescue Group of Acadiana, a group that provides financial and emotional assistance to grieving families of child loss. To buy tickets, simply go to Eventbrite or by visiting rescuegroup.org. Or, once again, that's Rescue Fest coming up on Saturday, June the 25th at Park International. We've got a few minutes here. I want to talk a little Raging Cajuns baseball. We just talked Raging Cajuns softball about them taking part in that Tax Act Clearwater Invitational and also them hosting the Sunbelt Conference Tournament next year, which is a big deal. Could be a distraction, though. Never do know. But Raging Cajuns baseball. Could be, I've, I've argued this over and over again, that it feels like this is a transitional year for the program. It finally felt like this was Matt Deggs' team. Year one, Tony had just passed. They unveiled the statue. COVID happens. It shortens the season. Done. Last year, it still really didn't feel like Matt Deggs' team, did it? This year, it felt like this is Deggs' team. That wolf pack mentality that he instructs his guys, they kind of took on his personality. The more you talk to them, the more they kind of sounded like him. They started playing the way that he wanted them to play, and they caught fire, winning the Sunbelt Conference Tournament, taking out the number one seed Texas State along the way, and then Georgia Southern, who ended up hosting a regional themselves. They get to a regional, and they actually win a game at the regional. So year three even though the first season was abbreviated because of COVID, year three, it feels like, is a breakthrough year for Matt Deggs and the Raging Cajuns. And it feels like this could be the foundation year, right? Foundation year for them. And this could also help fuel this program for years to come. And Deggs talked about, now that they've kind of broken through, won the conference tournament championship, got to a regional, won a regional game. What is the motivation for 2023 going to be for he and his Raging Cajuns? Yeah, that's, that's your spot on, right? So, you and there's an old saying, can't pay for a championship it's because it's just priceless. You know, for three years I've had to talk about it, right? And, and I want you to see what I can see. I'm telling you guys, this is the blueprint. And then... I get chills telling you that because when it comes to fruition, bam, there you go. Now the the talking is a little bit less and the action is a little bit more on their part. And, you know, I do a survey at the end of each exit meeting and I'll ask some random questions and I'll tally them up. And, and question four is, I'm going to give you one do-over on the year. What is it? And I can't tell you the amount of guys and get chills again that, and they're dudes at A&M game, you know, they know. What's your number one goal? And when I say what's your number one goal, I mean personally. Unanimously yesterday it was Omaha. That wouldn't happen a year and a half ago. And so that is the tradition and pride that's being restored. And when you get expectation, man, it's like a tidal wave. It's hard to stop. He's exactly correct. You talk to any coach 
worth their salt, male, female, I don't care what sport it is, they will tell you the, the most difficult thing to do is, is getting the kids to change their own expectations. You can tell them all day long what their expectations need to be. I don't care if it's high school, college, or whatever it might be. You can tell them, this is what the standard should be here. This is what we need to achieve. This is what we need to strive to do. This is why you're doing this, this, and this, and this. But at the end of the day, it takes the kids, the players, to buy into that. And once that happens, then as a coach, you're not having to preach to them as much because they're taking it up upon themselves. And you start seeing the veteran players coaching up the younger guys. When a younger guy gets out of line or does something, the vet will pull them aside and hold them accountable. They uh, they they become in a in a weird way, uh, almost you know part time coaches for you. And when that happens, then your program can take the next step. That's a breakthrough. You saw that this year. That's when I say you see this. You see this being Matt Deggs' team this year, and it, he just said it right there. The guys have gotten it. So now they fully bought in. And they got a great core coming back. They got a great core coming back. Now, yeah, I know they lose seven seniors. But a lot of their star players are going to be returning. And now they got that taste of success. And here's, here's, the, here's the other big challenge for a coach. You establish your culture. You have the breakthrough. You get that bit of success. Well, now the difficult part is maintaining said success. Now that you've tasted that, how do you continue to grow the program? How do you continue to get the guys to to build upon the success after getting to taste winning a tournament championship and winning an NCAA regional game? And this is what Deggs had to say about that. These boys, you know, I think the number one thing we fought for two years, three years, however long it was, was expectation and belief. And uh, now they not only got to to see it and smell it, they got to taste it a little bit. And to see that they were (coughs) nine outs away from being in the championship game untouched in a regional, a tough regional at that, uh, I think it's going to create an atmosphere of uh, expectation and and hard work and uh, accountability and uh, all the stuff that goes along with a championship program. Uh, I'm proud of these, these young men. Uh, they're a very uncommon group. That's been our word all year. Uh, and, uh, you know, you look at 952 community service hours. They led the country uh, per Helper Helper, the app that tracks that stuff, uh, and a 3.43 GPA and then a championship on top of that. I don't know what else you can ask for as a coach. Uh, to get to be around men of that type of character is pretty special. Uh, I'm proud of what they accomplished. I'm proud that they restored the grit and the pride uh, and the expectation of the Raging Cajun baseball program. Now he's going to have some holes to fill. There's also... Going to be a possibility here, depending on what happens with the Major League Baseball amateur draft. Is he going to lose a couple of guys to that as well? You're going to lose some seniors, but is he going to lose a guy like maybe Julian Brock, who that kid is a phenomenal catcher. And Major League Baseball teams are always in need of great catchers. Could Julian get drafted high enough that he has to make a tough decision? So they're going to have some 
there's going to be some turnover with this roster for sure. How is he going to approach recruiting? Is Matt Deggs going to go the high school route, the traditional route of getting high school kids or JUCO kids, kids from junior colleges, or is he going to dabble in the NCAA transfer portal? This is what he had to say. It's interesting because uh, teams are so old right now. Our chief competition was old, and we were kind of older, but we were inexperienced. Uh, and I think you're going to start seeing that come back down uh, because we're running out of COVID guys, not just us, everybody. And uh, But the portal is like free agency. And I've spoken on this before. We had, we had transfers most of my career. You could transfer one time, immediately eligible. They did away with it in 08 or 09. Uh, but it wasn't public knowledge. It wasn't, it wasn't a website where you'd go peruse and go, yeah, we need a pitcher. Uh, it was just word of mouth. And so that, the JUCO route, and you add some really good freshmen, Caleb Stelly coming in. I mean, it's, that's how you – but you got to have buy-in. And what I'm excited about is we got enough dudes back that you're not going to have a choice. you got to buy-in. That's the way we do it. And finally, Diggs was asked, you know, what's the ultimate goal here, right? Uh, you, you come back to Lafayette. You take over the Raging Cajuns program for your mentor and a man that meant the world to Diggs, a man who not only saved his career but saved his life in Tony Robichaux. You have established your culture now. You have established the Wolfpack mentality. You win the conference tournament. You get to an NCAA regional. You win a regional game. And for most programs, that would be – Great, but that's not the standard, right? Expectations for the diehard Vermilion and White crowd is even more. And Eggs talked about the goal for him and what the goal is for the Raging Cajuns baseball program is making it to Omaha. That's the, the goal, and I, we're going to get there. And uh, I think what, you, what you're excited about is next year's team has a better chance than others. And, you know, uh, and I'm not, you know, you can't guarantee it, but, man, you can talk about it, and you can expect it, and you know when you know. And, you know, we knew in 13, and we knew what we had coming in after the 12 season, and you saw 13 play out, and uh, it, it led into 14. I'm not saying this is 14 by any stretch. That's not fair. But uh, I know – when we're playing Cajun baseball and we're playing Cajun baseball because our guys take pride in being the best at the stuff nobody else cares about. Getting down the line, getting on and off the field, being a great teammate, responding, being resilient, not getting caught on results, being unselfish. They take pride in that. So that's the goal. This could be the foundation season. Work still needs to be done. Still got to figure out a complete pitching staff. Replace the guys that you're going to lose. How to finagle the transfer portal. Look, we talked about with Jay Walker earlier this week. A lot of the kids in the transfer portal, I'm just going to say it, may not be built to be playing for Matt Dix. That'll be the nice way of saying that. It takes a certain toughness, a certain ability to be humbled and to accept coaching to play for Matt Dix. 
a lot of those kids that may be in the NCAA transfer portal don't take tough coaching. So, just saying. Yeah, someone asked me, well, you think he's going to go in the transfer portal? I said, yeah, transfer portal guys may not be for Matt Dex. I could be wrong. He could find a guy that's tough as nails and wants to come play and play and, and be coached up by a tough guy. But um, Deggs is looking for particular characteristics. And a lot of those kids that throw their name in the transfer portal and go from school to school may not possess a quality that is needed to play for the Raging Cajuns baseball team. We got to take a timeout. When we return here on RP3 and company, we're going to hear from Dennis Allen. That's right, the new head coach of the New Orleans Saints. That'll be coming up next right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. RP3 is the epitome of a high roller, constantly making large bets. But by doing that, the minimum bet is a dollar for a win, a dollar for a place, a dollar for a show. So it's essentially a $3 bet. That netted me a cool $6.70. What? Okay, so he's not a risk taker. He's your best bet for sports talk. 19. Hit me. 20. Hit me. 21. Hit me. 22. Now back to more RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh, it's the game's birthday, and this is your invitation to party with us as we celebrate 10 years, 10 years of being Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Join us at Buffalo Wild Wings on Ambassador Caffrey on Wednesday, June the 22nd. There's going to be delicious wings and amazing door prizes, including station swag, Astro tickets, a 50-inch TV donated by Avi, car washes from the wash donated by Service Chevrolet, a gift card from Partners Limited, and so much more. In addition, Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh will be broadcasting live from the party. So come join us at B-Dubs on Wednesday, June 22nd from 5 to 9 o'clock for the game's 10th birthday bash. Let's check in on the poll question of the day, shall we? We love giving you good poll questions. Busy weekend in the world of sports. NCAA Super Regionals will begin for baseball. You have the Belmont Stakes, the third leg of the Triple Crown. That's going on as well. NBA Finals between the Celtics and the Warriors. And the NHL playoffs is still going on as well. So our poll question of the day is, what are you the most excited for this weekend? Right now, 68% of you say NCAA Super Regionals. 16% of peace say Belmont Stakes in NBA Finals. No votes for the old hockey playoffs yet. Is Matt Miguez up? Because I know he'd probably vote for that. Salty Steve has chimed in. But it is hashtag no salt Friday. He says, all of the above. Will the dub step up? Can the Rangers come back again? Can Rich Strike duplicate his derby effort? Can the SEC flex its muscle? Must watch Sports Weekend for everyone. Thank you, Steve, with the positivity. Can always count on Steve to be salty throughout the week, but on Friday, to get prepared for the weekend, he says not so fast. No salt Friday. It's a hashtag to live by. 
I can tell I can tell you this. It's a hashtag that the intern of Shornair Daryl lives by. My man's not salty any day, much less Friday. JPK the OD says none of the above. I'm standing by for the imminent announcement of how the Saints are going to make a splash and spend the last ten million six hundred and fifty five thousand nine hundred and fifty seven dollars that they have on cap space. You know it's coming. That money is burning a hole in their pocket. He also says only 93 days till that dirty bird barbecue in the dome. (laughs) Darren, number one Raging Cajun fan of RP3 and company. A title he proudly wears. Says, besides the weekend itself, NBA Finals, baby, did anyone see the end of that hockey game last night? Full transparency. No. No. I just know the Tampa Bay Lightning, the fighting Jamie Greens, if you will. Back-to-back Stanley Cup champs. They've now come all the way back from being, what, two games to nothing down to now lead 3-2 to two and have the Rangers on the brink of the elimination. That I do know. I get all my hockey updates from Jamie. That's essentially where I get all my hockey information from. That's the extent of my hockey knowledge. Even though I don't follow the game, and I do not, there's only so much time in my life and dedicating time to following hockey. Not there, not there. I have been to the hockey hall of fame in Toronto. Wonderful facility, by the way, when as a kid on a trip to Niagara Falls and to Toronto learned a lot. A and B I've also been to an NHL game. Saw Dallas stars play couple years back there in Dallas enjoyed it thoroughly was confused by it with all the lines and the shifts and all that kind of stuff don't really understand hockey but I I appreciate the game I appreciate the athletic ability it takes to play it I'm just not knowledgeable in it that's all and there's your hockey talk for today you're welcome Keep voting on our poll question of the day. Leave your comments on Facebook and the Twitter. You know, you got to make sure you give the Twitter and the Facebook love. You can leave you can leave your comments either way. Just make sure you keep it clean for the kids. That's what we like to say here. Because sometimes early on when we're doing these poll questions, some of you got a little what we call sideways. Not even with us, with each other. You know what happens when that happens when that occurs facebook police comes they come breaking through your door using the battering ram and shut you down no more comments from you so just keep it clean man don't get crazy with it brian is coming in with a lengthy take on facebook he goes i know baseball is leading the poll right now by a huge margin but that is last on my list. Celtics in the finals followed closely by the Belmont, then NHL because hockey is awesome. Baseball is a distant fourth since there's nobody left playing. Go Celtics. I respect your fandom and your post. I'm liking it, Brian Fox. Thank you. Celtics are a national team. Lakers, Celtics. Knicks are also in that mix as well. And then whoever LeBron's playing for, all of a sudden you have Cleveland Caleb. Cavalier fans in Oklahoma for no good reason. NBA Finals. It will be interesting to see what happens this weekend. 
can the Dubs actually respond and do what they need to do? Because can Draymond Green actually play basketball still? I, I don't know. I have, I have questions. I have questions. So we'll see what happens with the NBA Finals and how unbearable James Mesh is going to be with his Celtics fandom. That's the bigger thing. May have to mute him on the weekend group text. May have to take him off of that. <laughs> Just for my own sanity. <laughs> Let's talk a little New Orleans Saints football while we have a few minutes here. Dennis Allen, first-year head coach for the Saints. Remember, he was previously a head coach for the Raiders. He did not do very good with the Raiders, but who does? They're a train wreck. But longtime defensive coordinator for the Saints is going to get his chance. He's well-respected in that locker room, and he's taking over. And a lot of veterans are coming out for OTAs. Those are voluntary, by the way. But a lot of the guys are coming out. There seems to be a buzz building in New Orleans about what they have going on and what the expectations are for this upcoming season. And Dennis Allen talked to the media yesterday about a multitude of things, including star players. And he was asked, of course, about Michael Thomas, who's still not quite back yet. That can be frustrating for the fans because he hasn't really played at all in three years. And he's still slow to recover. Uh, DA was asked, are you good with where the former all-pro wide receiver is at right now in his process? Yeah, I'm good with, with Mike Thomas's. I would much rather him be 100% healthy and out here and all those kinds of things. But that's not where we're at right now. He is busting his tail to get himself ready to go. And I feel like he's making significant progress. I think mentally he's in a great place. And, you know, again, we're just going to let that process play out and get him healthy. And, look, we have, we have a long time to go before we play a game. And so, you know, again, I'll get back to that huge jump thing. I'm not looking for a huge jump. I just want to see him keep getting a little bit better every day. Second-year players could be making a big jump. We expect some of the third-year players to be making a jump as well. Right, That's the group that came in through COVID, has struggled. We're talking about Adam Troutman. We're talking about Cesar Ruiz. We're talking about those guys that really haven't developed like we expect them to. But the second-year guys, you know, you always expect them to make a jump as well. The guys that were rookies a year ago, could they make a jump this year? And this is what Dennis Allen had to say. It's an interesting thing, all right, because I don't really look for big jumps. And, and, and really, when you look at it, I don't think there's ever really any of these big jumps that occur. It's just that guys keep getting just a little bit better every day. And by the end of a month, if they've gotten that much better every day, well, all of a sudden now it's there. You know, and that's kind of the way that 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 works. I know we live in a microwave society and we want to see instant results in everything that we do, but that's just not the reality of the world we live in. You know, so... I'm, the signs I'm looking for are just small incremental improvements, you know, every day. Caden Ellis is a guy that we know the Saints like. He's been mainly a special teamer and a, and a backup linebacker. Could he be someone that could be a player that makes unexpected plays? I mean, un- unexpected production for this team. And this is what Dennis Allen had to say. 
Like well, I, I think I think this. I think if he keeps working the way he's been working and making plays the way he's been making plays, then I certainly think that there's more opportunities for him to be able to play. You know, and and I think that's the it's a great thing about what we do is we allow guys to go out here and compete. And a lot of people think that the coaches really set the the depth chart, but that's really not the case. Players really set set the depth chart based on how they perform. You know, and uh, we just want to win, so we're going to play the guys that make a lot of plays and don't give up a lot. I think Caden is going to be in the mix. I think you're going to be surprised how much playing time he's going to get. Once again, the defensive side of the ball, he knows that like the back of his hand because he's been the defensive coordinator. And look, they had to replace both of their starting safeties. Marcus Williams, the classic single high safety, he left to go sign with Baltimore. And Malcolm Jenkins retired. Well, they replaced him with Marcus May and Tyron Matthew. So they got a bit of an upgrade there. And he talked about, you know, what's the biggest challenge of making sure to replace both of your starting safeties from a year ago? You know, both of those guys, Marcus and Malcolm, you know, had their own characteristics that they brought to the table for us that helped us and allowed us to be one of the better defenses in the league. I think both Tyron and Marcus May bring their own qualities that I think can allow us to be, you know, again, one of the better defenses in, in our league. And so... But there's a time element that goes into that in terms of just getting yourself up to speed on the scheme, what we're doing, how we do things, how we meet, how we practice, how we lift. There's just a multitude of things that they got to get caught up to speed on, and and they're both pros, and they're doing a good job of it. There you go. I I like the Saints team. I really do. Look, injuries aside, you got to figure out what's going to happen with Kamara, but I like this team. I like what this team could possibly do. Their potential, this could be 11-12 win type of season, regular season for the Saints. They have that type of potential. They really do. Now, will they achieve it? Will they reach it? That's a totally different conversation, but I like what they're doing down in New Orleans. we got to take a timeout. We'll wrap up our number two give you some information about the transfer portal for both the Cajuns and the Tigers. That's how we'll close out our number two. That's coming up next right here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Sign up right now for the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com so you can score tickets, gift certificates, and more. This is The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to RP3 and company. We have a few minutes here before we wrap up our number two. want to talk about some things that happen concerning the NCAA transfer portal. Uh, concerning the Louisiana Raging Cajuns and the LSU Tigers. Some news came out yesterday concerning both programs. We'll start with the Raging Cajuns. Chaz Ward, as a former Lamar Cardinal running back there in the Southland Conference, has officially announced that uh, he was in the transfer portal and is transferring to the Louisiana Raging Cajuns football team. He will be eligible to play in the fall. Remember, the Raging Cajuns, had multiple running backs out of their backfield transfer out, one go to Florida, one go to TCU. So they signed some guys, and they have some younger guys that are ready to step up. But Coach Dez bolsters that running back room by adding the Lamar transfer to the mix. Once again, Chaz Ward is officially a Louisiana Raging Cajun. 
on top of that, DiGiacomo, who's been there for four years for the LSU baseball team, in a lengthy post on social media, said he was so appreciative of his time in LSU, hashtag forever LSU, but that he is going to be entering the transfer portal for his last year of eligibility. So he's entering the transfer portal. So transfer portal news there for the Louisiana Raging Cages football team. They get someone to come to them. The LSU baseball team is losing someone. Hour number two is done. Hour number three, we're going to kick it off by talking about a great charity event. Luke Day is going to be tomorrow. We're going to be joined in the studio by two ladies who are going to tell us all about it from Next Home Cutting Edge Realty. That's next right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the Houston Astros and LSU Tigers. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Oh, it's time to class up the joint here on RP3 and Company. You have to deal with me every weekday morning for three hours. And we get a little classy because we got the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, always joins us. But now we have two individuals who actually are classy, and they're here for a great cause. Because tomorrow is going to be the Luke Day charity event that Next Home Cutting Edge Realty puts on here locally. And joining us now here on RP3 and Company, live in the game studios, is Christy and Keisha LeBlanc from Next Home Cutting Edge Realty. Ladies, good morning. Welcome. Good morning. All right, let's talk about this because I know this event a little bit because I've helped out before, all transparency. Why is this event so important? Why are you guys so passionate about it? So this event is put on uh, nationally with uh, our franchise. This is our fourth year participating and after a couple of years of being able to go to conference and actually meet some of the individuals that receive these service dogs so everything all the money raised goes to canine companions for independence which is a nonprofit organization that gives uh, trained assistance dogs to anyone with any type of disability or veterans um, with either uh, physical or uh, mental disabilities at no cost to the recipient which is a, a great charity work, and so many of so many veterans, in particular, that come back with disabilities need help. And a lot of people don't know this, but having those companions, yes, sometimes the service dogs help them physically, getting right. around from point A to point B. But as we know, these companion animals also help them mentally and help them feel like they're part of something and help them feel like they're part of the world. Absolutely. I, we've met several people, um, and there there's actually a, probably a handful, five or ten people locally that actually have uh, dogs from this specific organization, and it changes their lives. It yeah. changes their day-to-day life. It, it changes what they can do without any help from others. It's really a big deal, and it costs for one of these animals, which is why we got so passionate about raising money, one dog cost anywhere in the ballpark of $50,000 from the time that it's 
it's born for the life of the puppy. So this organization pays for not only to to get the correct puppy, but to train it, and then it all the vet bills for the entire life of the dog. So there's there's no cost at all to the recipient. You know, for you guys, look, it's it's a nationwide initiative that Next Home takes on, and you guys have had your brokerage here for four years now, but not everyone embraces charity events like this you guys do why is that so important for you guys to put this on you you could just do something minimal right but i know both of you a little bit and that that's never going to (laughs) happen so but why is it you know especially nowadays where people tend not to help out as much as they should or or as as much as they used to why is this such a passion project for for you and and next home well i think it for this specific organization um, it's one of those things that could affect any of us at any time Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of people with these disabilities they weren't born with them they've been in accidents or things like that have happened so for us to be able to experience actually local people here who have these animals that's that's kind of the big difference and in our charity event we try and we actually are going to have a couple of local individuals that have these dogs show up and so that people can really see what they're giving their money to, right? We give money all the time, and but this is you're able to see what your money's going for and how it impacts the lives of others. We're talking with Christy Theo and Keisha LeBlanc from Next Home Cutting Edge Realty. Luke Day is the charity event. That's going to be tomorrow. And uh, let's talk a little bit about the event. For, for no one that's ever come to the event, Keisha, I want to ask you, what can they be expecting when they come out to the park? Give them just the the, the basic information, the time, the location, and what they can expect once they come out there. So tomorrow it is from 9 to 1 at Bollier Park. Um, It's the park behind Lourdes. And so we are going to have events for kids. We're going to have events for the – you can bring your furry friends. Um, We'll have different things, um, a food truck, a snow cone – face painting, fun job, um, a slew of different things, dog treats, and there is a dog park so that you can bring your friends, let them hang out. We are going to ask that every all everyone who brings their pups have them on a leash. Sorry, Keisha, hold on. We have some technical difficulties. <laughs> Everything that you just said was perfect, was great, but it did not go over the air. So uh, so uh, we'll, we'll use it as a little bit of a practice run. All right. So, <laughs> so awesome. okay. <laughs> that is, that is kind of awesome. Uh, so we'll, ask, we'll have Christy do this. Christy, what's going on? Give us kind of the parameters of what's going on for Luke, for Luke Day tomorrow. Okay, so tomorrow uh, from 9 to 1 at Boye Dog Park, which is located behind Lourdes on Ambassador, we are going to have our event set up there. Um, Like I said, it's from 9 to 1. We are going to have a fun jump, snow cone truck, a food truck, giveaways for your furry friends. We have dog treats. We also have some raffles uh, that we're going to be drawing for at the end of the day. We have some games that kids and adults can play outside. So it's going to be a really fun day. The weather's going to be beautiful. We do have several tents set up. We have cooling stations, not only for you to get uh, a break from the heat, but we have cooling stations for your pets too. This dog park is also fenced in. If you haven't been there, um, it's a great place to bring your animals and, and let them have a good time. Well, let's let let's talk a little bit about that and about because I know uh, coming to the event a few years ago, you encourage people to bring their pups. Obviously, you guys will bring your own 
little ones, your your fur babies, if you will, to the event. Um, what are the parameters, though? Because obviously we want the event to, to go off without a hitch. What's the parameters, Keisha, about bringing your dogs? Obviously, everyone has to be leashed, right, and everything like that. Yes, we will ask that um, whenever you bring your pets, make sure they're leashed. Um, they have all their vaccinations, just like if you were going to a normal dog park. We don't want anyone to put any animals at risk. Um, but, yes, we will have treats for them, and, yeah. We'll also have Lafayette Veterinary Care Center. Uh, we'll have some staff there that will be able to answer questions oh, wow. about your, your pets, how to keep them cool in the summer, and just some general health questions. So we'll have them there. So if you have some questions, if you have some new pets, you've never been a pet owner, we'll have some people there that can give you some great advice too. Now, this is obviously going to be uh, we're going to be raising money tomorrow to help out this organization that helps out. Uh, these folks with disabilities with their their service dogs and all the proceeds is, is going to be donated to canine companions um what if someone can't come by tomorrow what if they have a softball tournament travel ball tournament for their kids or whatever it might be is there other ways that they can help out through next home to be able to do something for canine companions and, and to be able to do something for luke day even if they can't come by in person yeah absolutely they can contact our office we'll be raising money for the organization for the entire month of June. Uh, and then at the end of the month, we'll be presenting uh, Canine Companions uh, with the check and the money that we've raised. So they can contact our office at 484-1184, and we can tell them how to donate. The day of the event, um, all of the activities, the fun jump, the games, the snowballs, all of that will be uh, ticket-based. So you'll purchase tickets, and then you can um, stay in any of, do any of the things as many times as you want. And we will take cash, check, and credit cards at the event. Outstanding. Okay. So we'll wrap it up with this, ladies. I want both of you all to take a moment here to answer this. Once again, we're wrapping up our conversation with Christy Theo and Keisha LeBlanc from Next Home Cutting Edge Realty. Luke Day is the charity event tomorrow. All proceeds are going to be going to Canine Companions. It's a great organization that helps those with disabilities with their service dogs, with their prices, and the cost of all that, and allows them to live better lives. That's the event. It's going to be taking. Uh, it's going to be going on tomorrow, rather. For those who have never been, for those who may have trying to decide what to do this weekend, I want both of y'all to take a moment to just talk to the people and say, "Hey, this is why you guys should come out and make some time to stop by and take part in Luke Day." Keisha. So, until you really see an a recipient, I guess, with their animal, with their service animal. You don't really understand the importance of what this organization does. And so coming out tomorrow, being able to view what the animals allow the recipients to do and the confidence that it gives them, um, it's just a different feeling. It makes you really understand and want to do and help. And so we would be honored to have y'all and to come out and just kind of see and just experience, even if it's for a little bit. Um, but we would love to have everyone there. Christy? Yeah, just kind of to re reiterate on what she said, it, it's very impactful. And, and oftentimes we take for granted uh, the simple things in life that we get to do every day, um, you know, getting up and making a cup of coffee with, with ease. And a lot of people um, don't have that luxury. And these, these animals give them the ability uh, to live on their own um, with confidence. And it really is impactful to meet some of these people and, and to hear the story about how these animals have impacted and changed their lives. 
Well, it's a great event. Once again, Next Home Cutting Edge Realty is holding their annual Luke Day event, charity event, tomorrow from 9 to 1 o'clock. The charity event benefits Canine Companions, which is a nonprofit group that gives to those with disabilities service dogs. The event is going to be located there at Bole Dog Park at 411 West Bluebird Drive in Lafayette. You already heard them tell you food truck is going to be on site. Kona uh, Ice uh, Snow Cone Stand is going to be on site. There's going to be a fun jump, music, treats for both pups and adults, I've been told, (laughs) which is very good. And, of course, prizes. And, once again, all proceeds will be donated to Canine Companions. That's the next home, Cutting Edge Realties, Luke Day, which will be tomorrow, Saturday. Ladies, appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Can't wait to see the event, and hopefully – There'll be a huge crowd to help uh, raise uh, funds for such a great cause. Thank you so much for y'all's time. Thank you. Thank we appreciate you. having us. Once again, you're listening to RP3 and Company. we got to take a timeout. When we come back here, it'll be time for Cash and Tickets with Nick Fondo, your weekend sports bets. That's all coming up. You're listening to The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Tired of having your pockets emptied out due to bad sports bets? 20. Hit me. 21. Hit me. 22. Go! Listen up, because it's time to take down some notes and get paid with advice from semi-pro gambler Nick Fontenot. I get so nervous when I gamble. I'm so silly. Here is Cashing Tickets on 103.7 The Game, Acadiana's sports station simulcast on Stadium 32.3. Nick, good morning, brother. How are you, my friend? I'm doing all right, man. I uh, I, I bet the Angels last night and they won one. <laughs> uh, how'd you do? Did that help uh, you recover from your uh, weekend? Because I know you'd been on a bad uh, losing streak the last couple, you know, four yeah. or five weeks, six, yeah, I kinda, seven. I, I kind of got a little better. Yeah, I kind of got a little better this past week. Won a few bets, trying to trying to get back on. But the Angels have lost 14 in a row, and, and they fired Joe Madden, so I decided to bet them, and they actually won one. It's unbelievable. It is unbelievable. We'll get to some baseball talk in a little bit. Let's start off the weekend NBA Finals. Let me ask you this. What you've seen through the first three games of this series between the Celtics and the Warriors, has that changed your perception or changed your way of thinking on how to bet on this NBA Finals? It hasn't. I I was on Celtics in six since the beginning. I think I'm sticking with that. But I do think the Warriors are going to win tonight. They're the underdog at plus 140, so there's money to be made. I think it's going to go back and forth, and I, I think the Celtics will, will, will lose tonight, and then they'll, they'll win the next one. So they'll win game five in San Francisco and then come back home and take the series. But th- there's money to be made there on the, uh, on the Warriors, plus 140 tonight. Uh, those old guys for, for, the, uh, for the Warriors, they, they just, just struggled, uh, struggled yesterday. Uh, I'm sorry, struggled, uh, what was it, Wednesday when they played. I think they'll come back. You know, Steph looked, had that killer look in his eye after the game with the towel on his head. I think he'll come out and have a big game. So you could probably make money with the with the Steph uh the Steph bets where you bet Steph over points, Steph bet bet Steph over threes. He's been hitting three or four threes a game, so there's money to be made there. So take the Warriors tonight, but I still like the Celtics in the series. I know Steph Curry's the betting favorite to win NBA Finals MVP. That said, I think you can make a case for Jalen Brown to be the MVP of the finals, especially if the Celtics close it out and he keeps playing the way that he's played through the first three games. Is that uh, good money? Is that a good sound bet in your opinion? Yeah, absolutely. I like, I like Jalen Brown to win it. I, I don't know. I don't know if Jason Tatum's gonna gonna take it down. I know that he's actually 
the favorite to win if the Celtics were to were to win the series. He's like a, a minus one thirty, and there's there's value there. So so C Ray, you're 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 picking up on that value play. That's what you got to do. You got to try to try to find a value play. Not always the favorite. That's not how you make the money because the favorite's going to be expensive. You have to pay for that favorite. But you find a player like Jalen Brown. Like I remember, I had Al Horford last week. Now he kind of stunk the bed up in game two, so that wasn't a good bet, but he was plus 1,400. Jalen Brown going off right now at plus 350. There's value there. If you take Jalen Brown, you can make some money. Let's talk NHL playoffs. Colorado Avalanche are just waiting uh, to figure out who they're going to play, and it looks like the Lightning have gained all the momentum in this uh, Eastern Conference final series against the Rangers, down 2 nothing. Now they're up 3-2. to two. Do you like the Lightning to close things out, and who do you like in uh, the Stanley Cup Finals, if that's the case. So the Avalanche are the best team. And so if you're picking against the Avalanche, it's, it's kind of silly. But I, I do like the Lightning to close it out. Remember, they're the back-to-back defending Stanley Cup champions. They won the last two. Now, both of them were uh, kind of bubbles, right? The first one was a big bubble. And the, and the second one was kind of a bubble. It's very similar to the NBA. They had very similar situations. So the Lightning kind of... You know, the, you don't, the Lakers don't get credit for their bubble championship. The Lightning kind of don't get credit for theirs. But they are back-to-back Stanley Cup champions, and they know how to win. So betting against them is foolish. So I think – I don't know what the line's going to be because the line's not out since the series is not set. But I would expect the Avalanche to be the favorite, and the and the Lightning will be at plus money. So if you can get the Lightning at plus money, that would be the bet. They, they know how to win. They know what to do. They were down 2-0 in this series. They've come all the way back. They're up 3-2. They know how to win. Uh, win hockey games so I think there's going to be some money to be made on the lightning don't know what the line is yet but when it comes out take a look at it and see if there's money to be made there NBA NHL obviously those are going on Belmont Stakes is tomorrow as well and I know it doesn't have the luster because there's no triple crown that can be there but we do have the Kentucky Derby winner in the field we also have Mo Donegal and a few other horses in there as well uh are you placing any money on the Belmont Stakes this weekend? And if so, who are you laying the, the, the cash on? Yeah, it's, it's very hard to bet on the Belmont right now because you can't bet it on the normal websites, right? You can't just go to, like, say, your fan duel and, and place money. You have to go to an extra an extra website. So it's just it's a little more difficult. Rich Strike going off at 7-2. I, I don't know if I, I like that. I know he won the Kentucky Derby. I know he's kind of a hot name, but... Once, once an eight to one wins the Kentucky Derby, and then all of a sudden they're at seven to two, it kind of seems like a sucker bet. Because remember, the bets are only placed on where, where the money's at, and so the public is going to put money on a, a horse like Rich Strike because it has that name value. So I, I, w- I don't know if there's any money to be made on Rich Strike. I'm not, uh, I'm not all that crazy about it. We the people going off at two to one. Now you know, it kind of seems like it's some sort of. Uh, a political statement with the name of the horse, but but nonetheless, a two to one going off uh, in the one spot kind of seems like he might he might take it down. So I, I like I kind of like we the people in this race. So you're going to put money on we the people to win the Belmont Stakes. I I like that, and I do. You know, I, I'm not thrilled about Rich Strike as well. You know, uh, I know won the Derby and that's great, but I don't know this Belmont Stakes seems weird. Um, with only eight horses running in the field as well. Could be an interesting race for sure. All right, let's talk. Hey, Ray, keep, Ray, Go ahead, keep this in mind about the Belmont. If you remember in the Kentucky Derby, Rich Strike made his run at the end of the race, and then he kind of took off, and he was faster than everybody else. The Belmont's much longer than the Kentucky Derby. So if you liked what you saw from Rich Strike, 
in the Kentucky Derby. That that might lead to him, you know, having something in the Belmont. He he was slow at the beginning, and then at the end, he kind of picked up speed. That kind of lends to to a Belmont winning car. So that might that might give you some money to win on Rich Strike. All right, let's look to the NCAA Super Regionals. LSU was the had the fourth best odds of making it to Omaha or winning the title. They obviously did not get out of the Hattiesburg Regional, losing in the championship round to Southern Miss. Let's start there because Southern Miss is going to host a Super for the first time ever, and they're going to take on a surging Ole Miss Rebels team. It didn't seem like it was that long ago that we were talking about them firing their coach. Yep, here they are, two wins away from Omaha. Uh, that's the one that I'm the most you know, excited about watching from afar. Nick, how would you bet the Southern Miss Super Regional between Southern Miss and Ole Miss? Yeah, I mean, so it would be very similar to if UL was playing LSU in a Super in Baton Rouge, right? This is kind of like the same vibe where Southern Miss is the, is the team that always feels disrespected by a bigger Ole Miss team, and now they're hosting them and they have a chance to win. I, I think that's going to play a big, a big role in it. I think it played a big role last weekend with, with Southern Miss and LSU because there's a lot of LSU fans that that live around the Southern Miss area and they and they felt that it, it, it played it played a role in Southern Miss being able to win that super regional. I think it's going to play a role again. They're the favorite, a slight favorite though, minus one fifteen to win to win the regional. Ole Miss going off at at minus one hundred five, but I, I I think Southern Miss is going to get it done. I liked what I saw from them. This weekend, they were very impressive, a much better team than I had anticipated. They have really good pitching. I like Southern Miss to get it done, but, you know, Ole Miss, they could do it. I just, I think that revenge factor and that, and that, you know, that, 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 that thing that they get so upset about with Ole Miss getting disrespecting them, I think that's going to play a role in it. And I think Southern Miss is going to get it done. Now, Southern Miss did meet Ole Miss during the regular season, and Ole Miss did, you know, Look, they went into Baton Rouge, swept LSU for the first time ever, and then went on the road to win that regional. So I think this is going to be a dogfight in, in the Supers. Another one that I think is going to be an absolute thrilling Super Regional is going to be ECU in Texas. This is the 8-9 national seed matchup. This is not a vintage Texas Longhorns baseball team, what we all you know grew up watching in the 80s, 90s, and the 2000s. But they're really good. They won their Austin Regional with seemingly ease. And ECU, Nick, they have the most regional appearances of any program not to make it to Omaha. That's that's their distinction, wow. and they want to push through. How are you betting the Pirates versus the Longhorns? I'm glad you brought this one up because this is my most intriguing one as well. And I'm going with ECU. They're, they're, not, they're not the favorite. Texas is the favorite at minus 160. ECU going off at plus 130. So not only are, are they the home team, but they're the underdog. And we've seen so far – in this uh, this college baseball tournament, that when that happens, those teams step it up. They feel disrespected, they feel slighted, and they, and they come through. And plus, ECU is really good. I mean, I know that a lot of people were, were kind of talking down on them because they got the host, and, and some teams maybe didn't. But they're good. I mean, I watched a couple of those games, and I liked them. I like Texas, too. I think Texas is a good team. You're right, it's not one of those vintage, you know, Augie Marino type of, uh, type of Texas teams. But they're, they're still pretty good. I think East Carolina is going to get it done. So at plus 130, you just kind of pull for those. Plus, nobody wants to pull for Texas. No one wants so to pull for you, Texas, you know, he yeah. says. <laughs> put, put, the money on East, put the money on East Carolina, You know, pull with your heart, and, and also win some money there. East Carolina gets it done. All right, bud, one more. There's two possible what would be deemed upsets in these Supers, and, and, and I'm not talking about UConn beating Stanford because I, I don't see that happening. But Arkansas is at North Carolina. 
You know, Arkansas was the team last year was ranked number one overall, didn't make it to Omaha, got upset. They had to start off winning on the road as well in their regional. They did so. North Carolina is the number 10 national seed. That one and the other one that intrigues me is Oklahoma. Oklahoma is a team that no one wanted to face. Just ask Florida as Oklahoma goes to Gainesville, wins that regional. They're taking on a very good Vodtech team who's the number four national seed. Of those two, who do you think is more on upset watch? I think North Carolina is more on upset watch. North Carolina has a very weird history with college baseball, a very weird history with Omaha. Uh, lots of letdowns, lots of really, really good teams that couldn't get it done. And I think that that history and the, the, the sins of their fathers, if you will, um, plays a big role with the North Carolina baseball. On top of the fact that exactly what you said, Arkansas was really good last year. They were the number one seed. They, they kind of know how to win. They kind of have a bad taste in their mouth from how last year went. And I think they're going to get it done. So that's the upset that I like. I like Arkansas to, to beat North Carolina. The Virginia Tech uh, series, I, I agree with you. Uh, Oklahoma's very, they're very, they're very feisty. They, 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 they're scrappy. They play, a, they play a good brand of baseball that I like to watch. But I think Virginia Tech's vastly underrated. And they're minus 215 to get it done. So I think, I think there's not a lot of money to be made on Virginia Tech, but I think they're going to win this series. But I do like Arkansas to upset North Carolina in that regional. Nick, appreciate your time as always, bud. Best of luck with your bets this weekend, and we'll talk to you next Friday, brother. All right, man. Thank you. We got to take a timeout. When we return, the Louisiana Sports Hall of Famer, the man that was the longtime sports information director for the Raging Cajuns, an award-winning columnist and reporter for the Daily Advertiser and others. Dan McDonald's going to join us. We're going to talk a little UL baseball, but mainly we're going to talk about Tony Robichaux, his legacy, his impact not only here in Lafayette but in Lake Charles, and his induction into the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame in just a few weeks. That's coming up next live right here in the studio. You're listening to The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. June 10th, 1974, in a 12-0 win over Houston, Philadelphia slugger Mike Schmidt hits a public address speaker atop the Astrodome. Instead of a three-run home run, the ball drops onto the turf for a single. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. We all know you love to entertain come the fall, football weekends, college, pro. You love having all your friends and family over to cheer on McNeese or UL or LSU and the Saints on Sunday. Why not do that in style? My friends over at Lafayette Marble and Granite can take care of that for you. They are the South's largest cultured marble factory, and they pride themselves on earning your business. You already know that they provide show-stopping marble countertops for your kitchens and your bathrooms, but they can also take your outdoor living spaces and your man caves to another level and help you become the envy of your neighborhood during game days in the fall. Visit their website, lmgelite.com. That's lmgelite.com to learn more about all the sensational services and the great products that they have to offer. Live inventory is updated every single Wednesday. Visit lmgelite.com or 
simply stop by their showroom located right there on I-49 North across from Hub City Ford in the jockey lot, Lafayette Marble and Granite. They're looking to earn your business, and trust me, earn it, they will. Don't forget to go vote on our poll question of the day. It's about what you're going to plan for the weekend. What you're the most excited about for the upcoming weekend. Is it the NCAA Super Regionals? Is it the Belmont Stakes? Is it the NBA Finals or the NHL Playoffs? Go vote. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter, and we'll update that before we get you set up for footnotes with guest host Dan McDonald. Speaking of guest host Dan McDonald, the Louisiana Sports Hall of Famer, the former longtime Raging Cajuns Sports Information Director, a man who set the bar for everyone else in the state, by the way, and an award-winning both regionally and national reporter for the Daily Advertiser and the Advocate and others, he joins us now inside the studio. Dan, good morning, brother. I'm so glad I was here for the uh, the gambling segment because I learned something about the the Belmont because I'm trying to get ready for that. Of course, my horse racing knowledge is very limited. Last time I went to the track, uh, I took what was in front of me, and the guy asked me what I, you know, who I liked in the first race. I said, relish tray sounds very interesting. And he said, uh, no, sir, you're looking at your menu. Uh, so... Uh, that that uh, pretty much tells you about my uh, my horse racing knowledge. Yeah, but uh, but but to segue in, I do have some uh, acquaintances who have been inducted into the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame, who are jockeys who I've uh, I've really enjoyed getting to know some of those guys. So uh, it's a uh, you know that 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 is my that that's my connection to horse racing. It's such a great pocket this this area, Cadiana has produced so many great jockeys. And it's one of those things where I feel like people don't really know that. And we know it because we're involved with the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame. We pay attention to these things. But the general public really doesn't know just how many Hall of Fame great Kentucky Derby winning jockeys come from Acadiana. Well, the the racing industry knows. Right. Uh, but the average person who does not follow racing, and that includes me, I'll be honest, uh, that uh, you don't realize how many – Guys from right around here have been big names in this sport. Eddie Delahousie is a is a right. classic example. Kent Desarmo, uh, Randy Romero. It just goes on and Calvin on and Burrell. on. Yes, oh, of course. Uh, I mean, you can just you know. I know I'm going to leave out names, but it, it goes on and on. One of my fears is that you know we have sort of these. A lot of these guys grew up on the bush tracks. They grew up in the in you know riding in the in the back meadows, and that's where they had their ovals set up. You don't have that as much anymore, and and I really fear that you know maybe I mean Acadiana for a while was known as the the cradle of a lot of jockeys, and I, I really fear that that might not be the case going forward. But you know it is uh things are cyclical, cyclical, cyclical. There things, it is. Things do change. I think it new mouth this morning. <laughs> uh, the things do change, so you know you have to go with it. But for right now, you know I'm uh I'm I'm looking forward. You know I'll watch the Belmont just. For for the I, fun of I, it, I do. I, I will as well. Uh, unless somebody's got a rally going in the eighth inning, <laughs> there it is. Let's talk uh, quickly, just briefly about Matt Deggs. I've said this before, Dan. It feels like this year the team finally became his. They played like he wanted them to play. About halfway through the season, you could kind of feel it. They win the conference tournament. They get to a regional, but it feels like, <coughs> excuse me, it feels like this is finally. Matt Deggs's team is the shadow of Tony is no longer right over him. This feels like a breakout year, a foundation year. Am I correct? 
Oh, I think there's no question. Um, and and I, I spoke to Coach Deggs yesterday, and and I said, in fact, I'm working on a piece for uh, for Louisiana Unlimited, which hopefully will be on UL's website later on this week, uh, about some of that very subject and about how he constantly commented during the conference tournament and during the NCAA regional how happy he was for the program, how happy he was for the community. Uh, how happy he was for everybody that was involved in in uh, in Cajun baseball and Cajun athletics in general. I wanted to make sure that people were happy for him because the man has gone through a lot in his life, uh, and he's bounced back. And this was sort of the culmination, I think, of that bounce back. Now he had some success, obviously, before Sam Houston, right? Yeah, and even when he was the uh, the primary assistant to uh, to Tony during those 2013 and 2014 years that were just spectacular, uh, and then had the success at Sam Houston and so forth. But you know, this is the first time this year that I think that you know that has sort of carried over, and you saw what his teams can do. When they get the opportunity, they didn't have an opportunity in the COVID year. Um, they had all kinds of other issues in in that second year. Um, you know, this this year, I, I think you're exactly right. This this became a team that his stamp was all over it. And you know, he will again. He is he is a lot like Coach Robichaux in the in the sense that he will deflect to others the praise and the good feelings and so forth. I hope people will take the moment to be happy for him because of everything he's gone through in his life. And and it feels like a, a transitional year. And I'll say this as well. I know they lose a lot, right? Seven seniors right off of this team. And they're going to probably have a guy, a few guys that could be poached. Uh, Julian Brock springs to mind. Uh, guys that are excellent catchers. Major League Baseball teams covet and try to stash away. So I could see him being drafted as well. And he'll have a tough decision to make. But I also think I don't see Deggs being a transfer portal guy. And what I mean by that, Dan, and I said this earlier, is this. If you're in the transfer portal, I'm not saying this to be mean, but you, you probably are wanting playing time and you probably didn't like the coaching that you had received and it wasn't a good fit, right? That doesn't seem like, part. right, for the most part, we're not talking about everyone. Boy, that sure doesn't seem like Mac Deggs, guys, to me. I, I just, I, I see him could be going old school, traditional high school Juco route. Because he's tough on his kids. He's a tough, old-school, salt-of-the-earth type of coach. You know, a, a guy that's bumped around a couple different places, I don't think is going to find a home in Lafayette. I could be completely wrong, though. I think you're right to a point. And the only reason I say that is because, I, having had a conversation yesterday with him, uh, he's going to look at the transfer portal to try to find arms. They're going to go after yeah, some pitchers. Pitching. Right. They're going to go after pitchers that are in the portal. They're going to look at, you know, and they're not just going to take the first guy that comes along. They're going to make sure that they fit into, into his brand, into his identity, into what they're trying to do with this team. I think that will probably happen. Uh, I'm personally, I mean, it's, it, I'm not a fan of the transfer portal, but that's it's subject for, you know, an, another day and another time. Uh, do I think he's going to use it? I think they will. I think it will be limited. They won't go out and completely rebuild their team through the portal. Uh, they're going to build their team through through signees, through uh, you know maybe some older signees, but they're going to have some mix of older and younger. He is very confident 
after having a lot of his exit meetings with his players that the draft is not going to be a devastating thing for his team. Uh, he thinks that everybody is very excited about coming back. They see the potential now. They're, they see something tangible that only they've only seen because people have talked about it over the last couple of years. Now they see some fruits of all of that. Um, will there be some exceptions? Yeah, there, it will be a very different look. It's going to be a different look year to year for every team in every sport going forward. Uh, do I think it will look a lot similar? I, I really do at this point. We don't know what's going to happen, uh, but I think that's, that it is going to look very similar to the team that they put out there this year, minus this year's seniors, obviously. Um, but I, they're very excited. They don't think the draft is going to hurt a lot with the new players that they have coming in. Um, they're very confident. They're very positive about what's happening going forward. They should be. They should be. We're talking with Dan McDonald, Louisiana Sports Hall of Famer, former longtime sports information director for the Raging Cajuns. And I want to transition to talking about Coach Robe. Everyone has a Coach Robe story about meeting him and about him doing something that kind of went above and beyond. You were the sports information director for a majority of his career. You got to witness some great highs and lows. Give me your favorite Coach Robe story. Can I steal somebody else's story? If Hey, you're, the, you're, I, you're Dan McDonald. My, you can do whatever, my, my friend. No, my favorite... <laughs> My favorite comes from Phil Deavy. Okay. Uh, who who I, I know Phil. I, I think Phil's a great human being, was a very good pitcher in his time. Uh, still, st- you know, came from Canada, still here in Lafayette, has never left. Uh, he's a hometown guy now. Um, there was a point in his career, the first year, he came as a walk on. People don't remember that. He came all the way from Canada just to walk on this team. In fact, his mom had to sort of sell him to Coach Robichaux that he wants to be a part of this program. Uh, but he came as a walk-on. Things were not going very well. He was didn't have a lot of confidence, his ability and so forth. Uh, one night he was walking around from you know his apartment. He was depressed. He wasn't sure what he was going to do. And he, he saw the lights on at the stadium. And this is late at night. Uh, and he, uh, you know, he said he was out walking. He'll walk over there. And he, he walks out onto the field, and he sees a bucket truck out in the uh, outfield. And he sees somebody up in the bucket truck with a power washer, and they're washing the scoreboard with a power washer. This is probably 10 or 11 o'clock at night. The closer he gets, he realizes it's Tony Robichaux up in that bucket truck. Yeah. He is, wa- he is washing down the scoreboard yeah. with, uh, with a power washer. That's the kind of pride he had in this program and i think that just pretty much says it all he means so much he's the local kid that did good right a kid from crowley his playing abilities were limited and it, and, and it stopped in college at mcneese he begins his coaching career he was the youngest head baseball coach in the country when he got the mcneese job he was what 24 uh just turned 24 just turned 24 years old and what what surprises me is a lot of guys will leave a place and it's not a big deal, right? They leave a place and some people will remember them, but they still don't have a presence. They no longer have a presence in the community, right? All my dealings with folks over in Lake Charles and McNeese, they revere him and respect Tony just as much as the Cajun fans do and the community here in Acadiana 
because he still kept that connection to over there. I, I very rarely do you see someone have that much respect and in, in a following in two different areas of the state, Dan. And that's, I think, something unique about him, that he kept that relationship going with McNeese all those years afterwards. Well, I, if I'm right on my numbers, he won 263 games at McNeese. He was the all-time winningest coach in McNeese history. Uh, I don't know if uh, current coach uh, Justin, Justin Hill passed, Hill passed him. him late this year, I he, think. He, he passed him at the, in, in, in the Southland Tournament. Yeah, which is good for him because uh, Tony thought the world of Justin yep. Hill. Um but he he's in the McNeese Hall of Fame. Yeah, he was in the McNeese Hall of Fame actually before he was in the UL Hall of Fame. It's another story for a long time for for later on <laughs> down the road. Uh, but uh, it just shows the you know I remember being there that night uh, in Lake Charles when the Cajuns played a game over there, and that's the night that they basically did they didn't do the ceremony for the Hall of Fame, but they had the public honoring. And, you know, presented Tony with the plaque, with his old McNeese jersey and so forth. And he was touched by that. Uh, but, you know, that was always something. You know, he, he, there's there's never been a more principled person that I've yeah. ever met. Uh, and part of his principle was that, you know, you do not forget the people where you were before. And he's very he was very fortunate in that he grew up here, never left southwest Louisiana, uh, and always had an affinity for his uh, his people, uh, people involved in the Lake Charles area, people involved in the McNeese baseball community. I always had an affinity for that, even after he came here. And when he came here, that rivalry was still you know, very much in essence. Uh, but you know, it, it never became personal. It was always uh, it was always just about baseball. And Tony had the utmost respect for for the people, really, with both programs. You know, he's the only guy ever uh, in NCAA history that we know that was the all-time winningest coach at the two institutions that he also played at. I thought yeah. that was that was just the most unique thing ever. It's he he, he was a special man and and everyone has a, a, a Tony story and even it doesn't matter if you played for him or if you coached underneath him or if you were just a fan or a media member he touched a a, a ton of lives and he gets deservingly gets to be put into the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame here in a couple of weeks. Dan, appreciate your time, brother. Thank you so much. My and pleasure. He will be sticking around. You know why? Because he's I'll be back in, in about 10 minutes. In about 10 minutes because he'll be your guest host for today's edition of Footnotes. Minus Kevin Foote because he's on a cruise in Alaska. I can't believe Michelle convinced him to leave. <laughs> <laughs> just hit credit her uh, good good for her 30th anniversary uh celebration for the foot family we gotta take a time out we'll wrap up today's show we'll get you set up with footnotes with guest host dan mcdonald that all be coming up next right here on the game 1037 lafayette and 1041 lake charles southwest louisiana sports station your home for the lsu tigers and houston astros Download the free The Game mobile app for Android and Apple devices. No matter where you are in the country, you can listen to The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh, I want to take a moment to thank all of our guests for joining us today. James Yasko from the Lima Time Time podcast and Houston Chronicle contributor for talking all things Astros with us. Also want to make sure to thank 
Christy Theo and Keisha LeBlanc from Next Home Cutting Edge Realty. Their charity event, Luke Day, will be tomorrow. Appreciate them coming by. Nick Fondo for cashing tickets, your weekend sports bets, and a segment that Salty Steve absolutely loves. And, of course, the Louisiana Sports Hall of Famer and former longtime Raging Cajun Sports Information Director Dan McDonald. It was a jam-packed way to wrap up the week. Final results on the poll question of the day. We asked you, what are you most excited for? What's going to get you excited for this weekend? And 53% of you say the NCAA Super Regionals. 20% say the Belmont Stakes. 20% say the NBA Finals. And 7% say NHL Finals. Thanks for all who voted on the poll question of the day. All of those who commented on Facebook and Twitter as well. What a way to wrap up the week. We did not have a game changer of the week. You want to know why? Because producer extraordinaire Hannah Five Name says no one was worthy of said distinction. So, got to step your game up next week. We'll be off, obviously, for the weekend. For the intern extraordinaire Daryl, producer extraordinaire Hannah Five Names, I'm Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. We'll do it all again on Monday, 6 to 9. But until then, be safe out there. Be kind to one another. Dan McDonald. Your guest host for Footnotes is up next right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.